From the KLYT Broadcast Studio, this is ABQ Connect. Welcome into another ABQ Connect. Always glad to have you with us. Uh, before we jump in with our uh, guest for the full hour, Brian Cochran, I, I do want to make sure you're reminded about the East Mountain Calvary Satellite Campus Interest Meeting. That's happening this Sunday morning at 11 o'clock at the Vista Grande Community Center in Sandia Park on Highway 14 in La Madera. So listen, if you'd like to be part of a satellite campus for Calvary Church in the East Mountain area, come on out for that interest meeting and find out more. Again, that's this Sunday morning, 11 o'clock at the Vista Grande Community Center in Sandia Park, Highway 14 in La Madera. There's more information at calvarynm.church. It is Friday, which means a Friday financial update with Brian Cochran, John Moore Associates, and uh, typically uh, uh, the final segment of the show. But today, well, it'll be the final segment of the show, but it'll be the first, second, and third segment <laughs> as well, Brian. We're going to spend a full hour today, uh, and uh, we're going to cover uh, issues that uh, really pretty much all of us have probably dealt with, uh, Brian. But uh, before we go there, I do want to, and we'll probably do this at the end of the show as well, a uh, reminder to uh, uh, look, look at that Insights tab available at johnmoore.com. Uh, it regularly has uh, many of the topics we talk about uh, on a weekly basis, including the one we're covering today. Absolutely. Uh, today's topic will be debt, and that was the topic of our February blog post. Uh, primarily credit card debt is what we addressed in the blog post, but in today's conversation, I think we'll talk about debt in general with maybe a little bit of an emphasis on that credit card topic. Yeah, and Brian, part of what sets you apart uh, from others that someone may talk to uh, about their finances uh, is is the looking at finances through a biblical worldview lens. Thus, these uh, CKA uh, initials uh, after your name, a Certified Kingdom Advisor. Uh, And for those not familiar with that, I'll let you articulate it. Yeah, so Kingdom Advisors is a national organization that uh, teaches financial planners, financial advisors, as well as CPAs and attorneys how to apply biblical principles in the advice they provide their customers, their clients. And so uh, all of our financial planners on our team hold the certified Kingdom Advisor designation because we think that training really helps uh, pair well with worldly training so that we can give the best advice possible that's not only relevant and and wise based on worldly standards, but also honors the way God has taught us to use his resources. And uh, our listeners have grown accustomed to now hearing uh, John Moore Associates as the sponsor at 4.30 in the morning for Faith and Finance with Rob West. Uh, it's also heard uh, later in the morning at 11.30, just before your lunch, uh, and uh, the Faith Five Minute that's heard throughout the day on KLYT. Uh, so uh, essentially today as we look at debt, well, let's start there, uh, Brian, looking at debt uh, uh, through a biblical worldview lens. What does the Bible have to say about debt? Well, I always like to start by framing that the Bible has more to say about money in terms of the number of verses about money and material things than heaven or hell or prayer. So the way we manage our resources matters to God. And I think debt is one area that's addressed many times, mostly in the form of warnings. And so debt is never encouraged for sure. It's also never completely admonished or abolished. 
it, it doesn't say never have debt, but there are a lot of warnings about debt. And so we should heed those warnings. And a good example of that, Steve, is Proverbs 22.7, which is one of the most uh, well-known or popular verses about debt that, that I always take to heart when thinking about debt. It says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. So that to me is scary language. Right, I don't want to be yeah. slave to anybody. So the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Uh, there's another warning in Proverbs. It says, uh, Proverbs 11:15. I'm reading from here. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer, but whoever refuses to shake hands and pledge is safe. Well, what's that talking about? What does that mean to put up security? That means being a co-signer on a debt, which we see a lot with parents and their children. Um, so that's something that's a warning about if you're going to co-sign on a debt, there is risk there. Uh, and then Exodus um, chapter 22, verses 25 uh, and on, it says, If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. And what was that addressed in Exodus? Yeah, Exodus uh, 22, 25. So the idea there is if you're trying to help someone in need, you should not benefit from that. Some people have interpreted that verse and some others to say that we should never charge debt to another believer, charge interest on debt to another believer. But I think the key word there is someone who is needy. So if you're trying to help somebody who is hungry, homeless, a widow, you know, something like that, where there is a need there, I think we're supposed to be generous, even if they're going to pay us back, but not charge that interest. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that stood out to me as you as you started here was warnings, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I, I think I remember it more from a teaching uh, I, I heard Pastor Skip Heitzig uh, do years ago on the Ten Commandments, uh, and a lot of pe- you know a lot of people just see it as a list of do's and don'ts, um, and and uh, how restrictive God can be, uh, and and just a reminder that you know uh, for. Us to get instruction from the Word of God, like in 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 the way of a warning, um, it's akin to walking up to a shed full of dynamite that says "danger, explosives," and to look at that sign and go, "Well, how restrictive!" <laughs> you know, uh, it's not. It's not at all. It's actually love and care uh, for those that the message is being sent to. Yeah, one of the best ways I heard it described was the Ten Commandments point out how. We can't be perfect like Jesus, for right. one thing. You know, I think as now that we have the benefit of the New Testament and the story is more complete, we know that we can't be perfect. So it points out our flaws because we are covetous. You know, we have these flaws that are pointed out in the Ten Commandments. Uh, but it's also the formula for human thriving, right? When we respect our mother, our father, when we honor our God, when we avoid being covetous, all these things that are addressed in the Ten Commandments and also things like Proverbs, like we just discussed, that's the formula for human thriving. Be wise about debt. You know, train up a child. You look at these Proverbs, these are key verses that should we follow them often are a formula for human thriving. Again, it doesn't mean you should never have debt, but by heeding these warnings, you're likely to be more cautious with debt and more responsible and therefore more successful financially. And one of the one of the other things from this segment I, I really hope sticks with it'll stick with me. Uh and and what has, because I've heard it before. Uh but uh that the Bible talks about uh money or debt or you know finances 
uh, more often than you'll find scripture about heaven or hell, which are absolutely really important. Uh, uh, but uh, the you know God God uh, his timing is perfect, uh, and I and I have to kind of put this that you know statistic with that. that he knows what we need to hear, mm-hmm. uh, and and what's important to him as uh, as his kids really should be important to us. Well, and it's also a really good rebuttal to people who say, "Oh, it's just an old book of old stories that aren't relevant." I mean, are you serious? It's not relevant to talk about our relationship with money and how it impacts our hearts and how debt can impact us and how giving is a positive impact. And there's all these principles we can draw out of this that are timeless and transcendent. They are always going to be true. And they're true whether you have $500 or $500 million. These principles ring true. And, and they're true whether you know know the God of the Bible or not. Is it not true that, I mean, there's plenty of... Uh, successful uh, um, money advisors, uh, financial advisors that may not even know <laughs> uh, the God of the Bible or Jesus, uh, but they apply these principles because they know they're, they're true. And there's also many people who were never exposed to these principles who have had financial ruin because they did not have the benefit of these principles. So it works both ways. And I think that's a good segue, by the way, Stephen, to how are we doing with debt as a country? You know, there's these warnings about debt. Well, are we heeding those warnings? And and the short answer is we're not doing great. Um, and some of our listeners might be part of this struggle that we're seeing in our country right now where personal debt is rapidly becoming a huge issue uh, for our, our populace, our neighbors. Yeah, and before, you know, we started in our minds for those that are going, yeah, I know, 30-some trillion— we're talking about personal debt and separating uh, separating that. Yep. But that's worth noting that these principles, again, are transcendent. So they're true for you and me as individuals right. and our families, but also true for the state government, the federal government, all the way up. So uh, the same problems can occur. So uh, when I talk about us struggling, for example, credit card debt in the fourth quarter last year was up 14% year over year. So we ended the year with 14% more credit card debt. And that number is going to blow your mind, Steve. $1.13 trillion of credit card debt alone. That's not mortgages, car loans. This is just credit cards. $1.13 trillion of credit card debt. Uh, Just a, a really painful number to see, knowing that with that comes oftentimes a lot of financial stress, and, and a burden for those families that have it. Now I'm going to say this tongue in cheek. I got in the wrong business. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, that, uh, wow, $1.1 trillion. Of, in the, is that essentially, is it credit card debt or is that uh, mortgage? That's just the credit cards. Uh, wow. Yeah. And the kicker with that right now is because interest rates have gone up, credit card interest rates hit an average of 22% almost 23% interest by the end of the year. And to give you a perspective, those rates, um, you know, let's say five years ago, those rates were well under 20%. You know, five years ago, you're looking at maybe 16, 17%, and now they're up significantly. So, you know, this rapid change in interest rates and the economy we've been in, you've, everyone talks about inflation, but this is another aspect of the inflation picture. Higher inflation means higher interest rates. Higher interest rates means 
a more punishing rate on your credit card debt. So people are not only spending more on their credit cards and building up a balance, that balance is compounding and growing faster because the higher rate of interest. Yeah, I don't know if this is a segment to talk about it. And if you're going to kind of go here later, let's let's go there then. But it's like quicksand. I mean, you, you get a foot in and you I mean, you can't keep up with 23, 24, 25 percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's oh, it's terrible. It's overwhelming. It's terrible. And credit card delinquencies are on the rise. Um, the highest we've seen since uh, the financial crisis back in 2008. Um, so that's a problem. So clearly people are falling behind. Earlier, uh, about mid-2023, I believe it was, was the first time that more people were carrying forward a balance on their credit cards than were paying it off every month. So you're seeing that that's becoming more of a widespread issue that people are carrying forward balances at these exceptionally high rates. So in every way you can look at it, it's a problem. And uh, bankruptcies and foreclosures were up 15% year over year at the end of uh, 2023. So we're seeing it not only become a problem, but it's actually coming to a head for families where they have hit the wall. They can no longer make payments and they're having to resort to bankruptcy because there's just no other option. Now, uh, seeing increases, like you mentioned, 14, 15% over the previous year, um, how does that, is that, is that a typical, uh, like, like was last year that high above the previous year? No. So for example, during COVID, when we had all that free money flowing around, credit card balances were actually lower year over year by double digits. But if you go to that pre-COVID period when the economy was doing pretty well, 2017 to 2020, credit card balances were growing about five to 6%. And now we're growing at triple that. What's interesting about that though, Steve, is that year over year rate of growth has actually decelerated. So for example, if you went to the middle of 2023, the year-over-year numbers at that point were closer to um, 18%, and now they're only growing at 14%. What we think is happening, the reason the credit card growth rate is decelerating is because we think so many people have hit their maximum balances, and you're starting to see the bankruptcies. So people were growing their credit card balances because they had the capacity to do so. Now they've hit the max, and so we think so many Americans have hit that threshold, that maximum balance that... That's the only reason the spending's coming down, and that's why you're seeing the bankruptcies on the rise. Okay, so before you just get totally depressed and <laughs> and and uh, hands up in the air, and uh, we will talk later in the hour uh, uh, practical solutions to some of uh, what we've dug ourselves into uh, for the most part, uh, and do stay with us. Brian will be with us for the full hour from John Moore Associates, Brian Cochran. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about some common perspectives and challenges uh, that especially young people are dealing with uh, in, well, in the current times. Uh, we'll get to that when we return to our conversation on debt for our Friday financial update with Brian Cochran, John Moore Associates, johnmoore.com. That's after the break on ABQ Connect. You're listening to KLYT. Welcome back to ABQ Connect. Welcome back into ABQ Connect. Our full hour today, we're in the midst of a conversation with Brian Cochran from John Moore Associates. And johnmoore.com is a website to go to find that insights tab we mentioned at the top of today's show, which includes the blog posted for February on the topic of debt, which we're 
covering that topic throughout today. We started uh, with a, a look at uh, biblical perspectives on debt. And let me just rattle these off real quick because uh, I'm imagining people, as we started to talk last segment, ran and got something to write down because a lot of good information was coming. Uh, but uh, Proverbs 22, 7, Proverbs eleven fifteen, and Exodus twenty two twenty five. Go Go find those on your own. Uh, we covered them in the first segment. Uh, and again, take a look at what that biblical perspective on debt. And we covered several uh, current stats in the United States uh, essentially, the, the the news is that use of credit cards is increasing, and so is the interest rate, um, uh, which, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the last segment, it's like quicksand. You, you put your foot in it, and you get sucked right in. Uh, but uh, what are some of the challenges that these young people that are getting into debt, Brian, uh, with credit cards they're facing? I think the first thing is um, simple lifestyle creep. We know that inflation has been a big problem the last few years. So even if you didn't change what you're buying, it all got more expensive. But we also see that people constantly tend to creep up their lifestyle. Very few people will will buy less goods and services or lower quality goods and services year by year. As we, our earnings grow, as our incomes hopefully expand over time, we tend to keep growing our lifestyle. And so what we see a lot of times with young people is they simply don't know where they're spending or how much they're spending. And they are shocked or even appalled when they do the analysis and see how much they're spending in different categories. So one of the recommendations there is to get an application like the FaithFi app on your phone that we've talked about. And it will track your expenses so you at least can build an awareness where your money's going and double check that that spending reflects your values. So for example, if you're spending 20% of your income on dining out, you ask yourself, is that really a priority for me or do I need to make some behavioral adjustments. But we see with young people, they're often just kind of spiraling on their expenses because it's so easy nowadays to spend money. You jump on Amazon and three clicks, you can spend hundreds of dollars on clothing or electronics or whatever it might be. The second thing we see is that once the debt is starting to accumulate, especially if you have multiple debts uh, working against you, maybe you have student loans and two credit cards and a car loan, people get overwhelmed And what we see a lot of times, even with couples, is they just shut down and they ignore it. So they they stop paying attention. They just make the minimum payments because to acknowledge it and to start to battle it is so overwhelming that it's easier just to hide. And you see this with other parts of life, right? Like health issues, um, relationship issues. It's easier to bury it under the rug. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just just ignore it and keep walking by it, you know, and (laughs) pretend you don't see it, right? So I think that's one of the problems we see a lot. And that comes down to a matter, I think, of prayer and accountability. You've got to ask God, what am I missing? God, help me. Give me the power. If you don't ask for it, you won't get it. Um, and then the accountability piece, whether it's a spouse helping hold you accountable or a friend or family member that's a trusted person that can help, you know, you can set some goals and say, Hey man, I, I need help here. You know, you know, can you help me? Um, for example, we know some couples that they cannot make a purchase over a certain dollar amount, such as a hundred, two hundred dollars right. without calling their spouse and getting approval or sleeping on it for a day or two before they make the expense. So just you know, starting to acknowledge that that's a problem. And then last, I would say one of the big challenges we see is just timing of income. When money's tight, just trying to figure out the flow of every month, Steve, and you may have been that position at different times during your life, during your marriage, where, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck, but sometimes 
just the timing of payments is tough. So what helps there is actually pull out a physical calendar if you got one or print one out and write down each day of the month that a bill hits and try to time out your payments and your cash flows. And then if you need to reassess where your payments land, sometimes you can negotiate that with a credit card company. For example, can I change my payment date or starting to pay things separately to create a more steady flow of income versus expenses? So again, so track your expenses using an app. Consider um, having an accountability partner, a financial accountability partner, a spouse or a trusted friend, and then get out that calendar and figure out how can I work on the timing of my various bills such that I'm not falling behind on a regular basis. Well, and as we walk through this, we can almost hear you going, oh, man. Uh, they're talking to me. Well, you're not alone. That's oh, that's no. that, that's why it's so easy to do a show like this and have have you feel like we're talking. Dr- well, we we, we kind of are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, your five or ten or thirty thousand dollars of credit card debt again yeah. is part of a pile of thirty tr- or or one point yeah. one trillion dollars yeah. of credit card debt. You you are not alone. All right. So we're spending our full hour today on our Friday financial update with Brian Cochran of John Moore Associates. Uh, and uh, again, I'll say it, go to johnmoore.com, click on that insights tab. Uh, the, uh, the February blog post there uh, is on the topic of debt. And we're going to continue our conversation uh, with a look at uh, some rules of thumb to consider as you walk through uh, uh, dealing with debt. Uh, we'll talk about uh, human experience uh, and also more scripture. Uh, that's on the way when we continue our conversation on ABQ Connect. On KLYT, this is ABQ Connect. We are in the midst of a conversation with Brian Cochran of John Moore Associates. Go to johnmoore.com on the Insights tab, and you'll find uh, the topic we're covering today, debt. It's the uh, February blog post on the Insights tab. And Brian, in our first two segments, we talked uh, about the biblical perspective on debt and uh, threw out some uh, scripture uh, and then also looked at some current stats here in the United States uh, that, you know, it's clear uh, credit card debt is on the rise. 14% uh, uh, raise in in credit card debt uh, over the past year uh, to bring the credit card debt to, I think you said, $1.1 trillion, trillion dollars, uh, in the United States. Uh, and other things, you know, the interest rates are, are going up as well, so that doesn't help. In our last segment, we talked about some common perspectives uh, and challenges uh, that um, those that are, you know, uh, dealing with with debt are finding themselves in. And we are going to get to, in our final segment, uh, a look at strategies for reducing debt. Uh, but in this segment, we're going to we'll take a little bit of time uh, to kind of look at some rules of thumb, uh, both experience uh and how you know you can look back, uh, or we can go look at others' experience, um, and also uh, what Scripture uh, has to say as far as rules of thumb in dealing with debt. Absolutely, and these rules of thumb we'll go through. I, I think are important because they are they're principles that are again scalable. So no matter what your income and situation, these rules of thumb should apply. 
Uh, and Steve, just remind me, this will be available on the podcast yeah. right later. So if you're yeah. scr- scrambling to take notes or you're driving and you want to grab these, they'll be able to get this on. on yeah, usually, usually within the week, we have the, uh, each show posted at abqconnect.online. Uh, and it is uh, good to go back. And you know, maybe you're listening and wanting to take notes or uh you know, it's 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 like with a sermon, Brian. It's always good for someone else to hear. <laughs> you may have someone in mind that you want to share it with, but I would encourage you actually, uh, as you listen, to apply these principles to how you view debt uh, and uh, and deal with it. Uh, but yeah, it'll be there to share or to revisit. Awesome. Well, let's start in terms of rule of thumb. Let's talk about the two biggest debts first, and then we'll hit credit cards as well. Okay. Um, and often what I see, by the way, is these are related. When you take too much debt on your car and on your house, you're more likely to have credit card debt because you're not leaving enough financial margin for emergencies, for travel, for all the other pieces of your spending plan. So these rules and principles, rules of thumb, we'll call them, on house and car purchases are important because they leave margin for the rest of your life. And the reason these are extra challenging areas, buying a vehicle or buying a home, is because home lenders and folks who who make the, the car loans are willing and able to give you more loan than is in your best interest, more loan than you should take. And so they will put you in trouble. They They know that you'll have to make your payment to them, even if it means you can't give you can't save, or you can't go on vacation. All they care about is that you can manage the debt payment on your mortgage or your car loan. Now, how much are their hands tied in that area? There are parameters and restrictions in those areas, especially on the the home lending side, because especially post-financial crisis, we're back in 08, it really was housing that brought down the whole global economy. Um, There are restrictions there, but I would argue there's still enough space there to get you in trouble. Um, So, General rule of thumb. So when you're buying a car, we always say try to keep the car's purchase price down to about three months worth of your gross income. So if I make $5,000 a month of income, I should try to buy a car around $15,000. And vehicle prices went up a lot during COVID. They're finally starting to slide back down. But a lot of people are thinking, really, $15,000? Are you serious? I'm making five grand a month. Can you get more of a loan? Can you buy more a car? Yeah. But if you do, you're going to start to uh, restrict your ability to, again, manage the other parts of your finances. You know what? I don't almost apply to this. Uh, you know, I remember going through discipleship decades ago uh, and, you know, whatever moral issue came up and and those gray areas um, and someone saying, well, what if, you know, they're trying to see how close. And the illustration that the person who was leading my discipleship gave was, okay, here's a pen. Okay, um, and here's a table. Um, if this pen touches the ground, the whole building is going to blow up. Okay, where are you going to put the pen? You know, are you going to see how close to the edge you can put the pen? <laughs> or are you going to put it right smack dab in the middle of the table? Because you can put it on the edge, uh, it's, that's not the reason to do it. And it's not wise. Uh, it's not as wise, certainly, as putting it in the middle of the table. Uh, but uh, at any rate, I think it applies in this area. You know, like you said, the other question I, I have about the 15000 if you're making $5,000 a month, Brian, is that uh, whether you're buying it cash or uh, um, mortgage? If you're buying it cash, you can go higher because you have the cash to do it, whether right. you inherited it or saved it. This is more 
principles if you're going to use debt to make a purchase. But even so, you know, if you can go find, if you're making five thousand dollars a month and you can go buy a car for for fifteen thousand dollars instead of twenty or twenty five, you've got that uh, five or ten thousand dollars to put towards maybe something that would have more of an impact for the kingdom uh, than. Mm-hmm than getting you to from point A to point B. Yeah, and, and the reason we give this rule of thumb is when we kind of break down housing and car and all that, if we want to have enough space to give 10% and save 10%, which is generally the formula we like to see, and still have enough to spend, these are the parameters that will put you in that general area. So three months on a car, when you're taking a loan for a vehicle, try to focus on no longer than a five-year loan. So 60-month loan for a car. Now, for some of you, you're going, of course, but the actual average car loan, the most common car loan right now is 72 months. So it's a six-year car loan, and there's seven-year car loans now, which years ago would have been unheard of. Oh, yeah, and I I hate to tell you this, but if it's an RV and it's got a bathroom, they can get a mortgage. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> you don't need to tell. You know, we don't need to be telling people that. See, we're going to get people in trouble here. But the the key thing here is that Lenders now, because they'll stretch that payment, when you're buying a car based on the payment, people go, oh, well, I can afford much more vehicle. I'll just do a seven-year loan and stretch it out. The problem is when you get to those six- and seven-year loans, the car is depreciating much faster than you are paying down the principal, and you end up underwater on a vehicle where you owe more than the car is worth. And this this really really frustrated me. I talked to a friend who's in the in the car sales world. And he's telling me about how many people here in New Mexico are coming in with a car that's underwater, and they're actually rolling the remaining debt on their trade-in into the new loan, which I think should be illegal. Right. That's just criminal in my mind. Uh, And no judgment against car dealers. I know that's probably a common practice nationwide, industry-wide. But in terms of looking out for the best interest of your customer, are you serious? You're going to roll forward debt from a previous vehicle? So, again, this is one of those things where – They'll let you do it. You can get that loan, but you should not get that loan. So three months, never go three months of income as you're spending. Never go below beyond a five year car loan. And if you can stay to thirty six to forty eight month car loans, that's definitely preferable. Okay, and and uh, this may be longer than we want to be on this topic of cars, Brian. But the other thing when when you're dealing with a car, you know, it's it's cash or finance or lease. Um, and, uh, I, someone in the past had told me, you know, I mean, cars depreciate, you know, as soon as right. you drive off the lot. And that's part of the reason if you're going to go look, looking at something used is not a bad idea, especially if you can find a pre-certified used car, uh, that's going to, someone else took the hit for, uh, the, the devalue, you know, of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, uh, leasing, you know, things that, um, depreciate, you, know, you buy things that appreciate, you lease things that depreciate. And even there, you got to be really careful uh, with the residuals uh, with vehicles. Uh, yeah, we, if you're going to do a whole hour just on I, leases, I, and I would say on the topic of leases, really read up and find uh, an someone who's an advocate for you uh, to help you walk through whether it's a good choice for you when it comes to personal or business and uh, how to how to look at residuals and, and what have you. But And my concern on car leases, Steve, is our general recommendation and the people we see that are successful with finances, they buy cars and they drive them into the dirt. Yeah. And even if they have the income, 
you know, I had a client member that had 250,000 in the bank and his truck heater didn't work anymore because yeah. it was so old and broken down. Yeah. But that's why he had 250,000 in the that's bank exactly to go right. towards other more important things. The thing about a lease is it really promotes this idea that I'm always going to have a payment and I'm always going to have a new car. And if you really talk about people's priorities, having a new car is rarely on the top of their list. Yeah. But then their finances don't reflect that. Yeah. So let's talk about housing. Housing has its own rules of thumb. Uh, to keep it short and simple, three years of income is generally the rule of thumb. What we're seeing right now with the surge in housing prices over the last couple of years, that has gotten really tough, which to me is one of the signs that the housing market's probably a little extended and needs to correct. And maybe we're starting to see some of that. Um, but the uh, the general rule of thumb, so if you make 100000 a year trying to buy a $300,000 house, which nowadays is a pretty modest home. Yeah. But again, can you get more mortgage than that? Can you buy a bigger house than that? Yes. Should you? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another rule of thumb. And, and what about the the uh, t- on the length of uh, uh, mortgage? Yeah, thirty year mortgage is reasonable for most folks uh, and and necessary to be able to afford a house. Um, but if you can stick to that, th- yeah, three years of income, that's going to help you out. And, uh, you know, uh, the way interest and in, in all this works, you know, a lot of what we talk, we talk about, uh, especially when it comes to biblical principles, uh, for finances, they're transcendent. Um, but, uh, with the 30 year, uh, mortgage, and maybe this is more for our next segment, but, uh, just a reminder that a single extra payment a month towards, uh, the cat, the, Principle. Uh, the principal, uh, you know, it's going to greatly uh, shorten the term of the loan. Yep. So the last rule of thumb, it's another three. So you've got three months for a car, three years of income for a house, and never let your balance on your credit card exceed 30% of your available balance. So if I have a credit card with a $10,000 limit, I don't want to charge or every care, ever carry forward more than $3,000 of balance. Now, generally, you don't want to ever carry forward any balance. That's when you're charged interest. If you can pay off the balance every month, you're good. But if you have to carry forward a balance, keep all your cards below 30%. Going above that is where you start to get your credit more impacted. Uh, and if you can't keep it below that, then you need to really think about your spending plan and keep pushing against that. Um, but that's a, a key limit. So if you follow those three rules, you're more likely to have you know, reasonable monthly cash flow needs. You're more likely to have space for giving and saving. You're more likely to have lower financial stress. And if you are feeling financial stress, I suggest you kind of do a quick test. How are you doing on those three rules? And my guess is you're probably breaking one of them. All right. If you just tuned in, we're visiting with Brian Cochran from John Moore Associates, our full hour today for our Friday financial update on the topic of debt, more specifically credit card debt, but clearly we're talking about other debt, including cars and homes uh, and what have you. But uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about things like strategies for reducing debt and other things we we weren't able to cover in this segment. Uh, We'll get to that after the break on ABQ Connect. You're listening to KLYT. Welcome back to ABQ Connect. Welcome into today's final segment of ABQ Connect, the full hour today with Brian Cochran from John Moore Associates. JohnMoore.com is where you'll find the Insights tab, uh, and it's got all kinds of topics. Now, we've mentioned several times, Brian, 
uh, that this month's topic is on debt. Uh, but uh, some of the other topics that, that people will find if they go to the Insights tab. Yeah, we actually have categories you can click on, and you can look at topics of generosity, investment, saving. We talk a lot about what's changing in the investment markets around interest rates. So we really try to keep the topics quite diverse. Um, coming up this year, we just set our, our webinar schedule for the year, so we like to record our 30- to 40-minute webinars. So you'll see those on generosity and giving principles. We'll be doing a session on marriage and money this summer. We're going to do a deep dive into student loans and repayment plans uh, this fall. So there's always new content on many topics. Okay, and th- that's a no-cost uh, resource available to you. Uh, I mean, you, you may have to pay for the Internet uh, if you're <laughs> logging on from the house. But uh, just go to johnmore.com and click on the Insights tab uh, to find out more. Uh, so far on today's show, we've looked at biblical perspectives on debt and also, uh, you know, current uh, U.S. statistics uh, that you know the 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 debt level when it comes to credit cards in the United States uh, is fourteen percent higher this year than the previous year, which you know puts out there a uh, you know personal debt on credit cards at one point one trillion dollars. Just I keep saying that, Brian, because I want to hit that home. And most people go go look at something that'll scale for you and help you understand better just how much a trillion of anything is, uh, let alone dollars. Uh, but then we talked about uh, some common perspectives and challenges that people deal with and, and how to address some of those uh, and rules of thumb uh, when it comes to your car. Considering when you go to purchase a car, keeping uh, uh, how much you're paying for it at to equal three months of your income and don't extend the loan any more than five years. And on a house, uh, the, when you go to purchase, consider buying a home that would uh, be equivalent to three years of your income. And, you know, a 30-year mortgage is, is acceptable and normal. Uh, and with credit cards to never exceed 30% of the balance available on the card. Those are uh, all, you know, those rules of thumb that we can apply. Now, uh, <laughs> for those of us that are drowning and, and uh, you know, at the beginning of this, I said, stay with us. I know it sounds, it sounds uh, you know, like you're going to get sucked into the quicksand, uh, but there, there is hope uh, and there are ways to combat it. Uh, and, uh, Brian, we're going to walk through some of that and bring some encouragement to, <laughs> yeah. to our listeners. Yeah, and the first thing I'd say is is you can do it. I've seen people come out of significant debt um, balances where they've been able to successfully dig themselves out of the hole and move on and, and are now financially very secure and, and moving forward in the way that, that we would all hope. Um, so one of the first things is prayer. Just asking God for forgiveness for the debts you've taken, the perseverance that it's going to take to address the debts you have, and then just for the strength it takes to be consistent in this journey, because most people, when they start a debt payoff journey, underestimate you know the discipline and it's the patience trial. it takes. It can take years. I've yeah. seen it take over a decade for some people to fully accomplish their debt reduction goals. So you have to go into it with that expectation that you know charging on your credit card is very easy. Yeah, uh, paying it off can be long. It's sort of like um, building up a health deficit. You know, if we're struggling with our fitness or our weight. You know, it's easy to 
to eat poorly. It's, you know, that's the easy part. And the hard part's the pain and struggle that it takes to get out of it. Well, you know, we've all been there. Part of what came to mind, too, is you were, you were talking about prayer, Brian. It goes back to some of what we talked about at the beginning and agreeing with God what he says about uh, finances and, and, and telling him, say, Lord, clearly this is important to you, which uh, I'm going to decide makes it important to me. And sometimes the action comes before the feeling. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and, and to tell him, Lord, I want to honor you. Help me do that. Help me through this process uh, of doing things that uh, bring glory and honor to you. Uh, and and uh, here we go. Yep. And one thing I'll remind you is in Paul's letter, I think it's Philippians, where he says, I can do all things through God who gives me strength. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I've seen MMA fighters with that tattooed on them. What Paul's talking about there is actually contentment. He's not talking about lifting heavy things or kicking people in the head or <laughs> doing anything like that. He's talking about, I can be content only because God gives me the strength to be content. He's not talking about physical strength. So to pray to God for that strength it takes to be content, which is where paying off your credit card starts. You know, we have to be content first so that we can stop our spending habits that have put us in debt. We have to be content with the more modest car. We have to be content with not going out to eat. We have to be content with the clothes we have and the furniture we have so that we don't go out and continue building on that debt. That's the first step is to seek a life of contentment. And when you spend more time being thankful for what you have, your desire to get the next thing starts to fade. Yeah, and let me say this, uh, because all of this, uh, getting out of debt, uh, here comes the experience, Brian. (laughs) Trying to get out of debt, uh, it it comes with tightening the belt and saying no to things. And you know what? Even just uh, a couple of weeks uh, at the beginning of it to find that, you know what? I made it through, you know, for those that are going check to check and trying to find a way to do it, um, you do it. And then, you know, well, this this was progress. This was a step in the right direction. Um, so let me encourage you in that. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> it's kind of like when you first go back to the gym, uh, the first couple of weeks hurt. Yep. Uh, but then it starts to feel good. Yeah. And uh, it becomes a habit. Yeah. And it becomes part of your lifestyle. Yeah. And debt is the same way. So once you start to drive that contentment and you stop adding to the debt, one of the things you might do at the same time is actually contact your lenders, the credit card companies, things like that, and ask if there's any way you can negotiate a lower rate. Not necessarily a repayment plan, but just ask. Ask for a lower rate, and you might be surprised how they answer. Um, And this is especially effective if you have a lot of debt, but you've been making your payments, so you're not necessarily missing payments or behind. You are making your payments, you just need to get some relief on the interest rate. It never, never hurts to ask. And then start to go on the journey of what we call a debt snowball. Some people may have heard of this strategy. A debt snowball is the idea that when you have multiple debts to be paid, you start by paying off the smallest one first, as opposed to paying the largest or the one with the highest interest rate. And this is really an exercise in what we call behavioral finance where we're trying to use the way our brain works to have, help maximize rather than harm our personal finances. So let's say I have three debts. I've got a student loan with $50,000. I've got a car loan with $20,000. And I have a credit card with $5,000. The idea here is even if the other loans have a higher interest rate, you start with the credit card balance, 
knowing that once that's eliminated, two things will happen. One, I'll get the accomplishment. You know, the the chemicals in my brain will say, oh, I did something. I accomplished something. Right. And that's encouraging. It's inspiring. And so that part helps. But then also I don't have to make any more payments to that debt. So I can roll what I was paying towards that debt into the next one. And that's where the snowball comes in. Then I pay off the second debt. And I get that endorphin again, that that positive feedback. And now I have two debts down. And what I was paying for those two debts, I can roll to the third debt. And I've seen this work for people who have double-digit debts where they have 10, 12 credit cards, student loans. Not uncommon. All that. No, no. It's easy to get a lot of small debts. But by chipping away at them and eliminating them, you get that satisfaction. That also helps with your credit score. There's a lot of things that happen there. But slowly but steadily working through through those to the debt snowball is a way to keep your momentum high. And then I would encourage you, as you hit each of those debts and clear them out, take a breath and celebrate that in whatever way you like to celebrate. You know, go out to ice cream, go out to a nice dinner, um, you know, go to a concert, do a little spending to reward yourself. But nothing you need to finance. Yes. Don't do not do it with debt, <laughs> but set aside money in your cash flow to go out and reward yourself. If you are someone who's tried that, if you've tried to negotiate the rates, if you've tried to drop your spending, if you've tried to meet the debts, but you are still falling behind, uh, our friends at FaithFi partner with uh, Christian Credit Counselors. Mm-hmm. Uh, ChristianCreditCounselors.org is their website. You might consider engaging someone like that because they can help restructure your debt and do a full sort of a reset of your debt situation. That's not your first resort, but if you're struggling with paying it off without assistance, something like that can actually help you hopefully get out of that tougher situation. Yeah, and uh, I'm familiar with with debt organizations like that one, maybe that one specifically, uh, and not everyone can pick up the phone and, and have that dialogue with uh, a credit card company. Uh, however, uh, you can do that. I, I think, Brian, that people don't know, they can call their credit card company, uh, and, and maybe you know the smallest debt that you mentioned is a credit card, and it's something you can actually... Uh, uh, in a, either right away or soon have uh, an amount that would be acceptable to that credit card uh, w- w- that would pay it off that would actually be lower than the total that's due or you know that mm-hmm. or not due the the total that the debt is you know uh, I know that you can call them and uh, not all of them will do that uh, but it's kind of like you said you don't get what you don't ask for and right. if if the um, if the debt total, say on a on your smallest one, is five hundred dollars, uh, but you call and say, well, what if I paid? You know, if I if I gave you, you know, is there any amount I could give you today lower than five hundred dollars uh, that would clear uh, clear my account? Yep, um, it happens. Yep, yeah, and asking for that. The last thing I'll close with is if you're having trouble with that momentum, consider other forms of getting cash flow or income. Um, so for example, I I know one person that was struggling with debt because he had a lot of toys, sell the darn toys, sell the four wheeler, sell the RV, sell the boat and use that to pay down the debts. You might have to take a loss on it. You might sell it for less than you paid for it. But the fact that you have all this debt and it's a burden means you cannot afford these items and letting go of those high expense items, especially, but also, you know, just selling your stuff. You know, there's so many ways now to sell things online. 
you know, just doing those things or finding a side hustle, another form of income just for this period while you're struggling with your debt to keep that momentum, keep that snowball building as you knock out these debts. If you can't do it with your current income, maybe if you're a two, two person household, sometimes the second spouse has to go to work where he or she wasn't. Uh, or if you're by yourself, maybe you have to get that side hustle and create additional cash. And, you flow. know, sometimes, especially with families, you can create a side hustle that you could do together, and it mm-hmm. ends up being a, a, a family-building thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to a woman one time. She and her son were dropping off an Amazon package at her house, and I talked to him. I said, I said, you know, thank you. You know, how long have you guys been doing this? And said, oh, we've been doing it for about a year. We, you know, we talk and we do these deliveries, and we use the money for vacations and for fun things. So rather than use debt, they're going out and creating side hustle income. And there's so many ways in the gig economy, as they say, to do that. But don't get discouraged. There's ways out, but also don't complain about the situation. It's often, you know, there are some times that this happens outside our control, but generally it's decisions you've made. You got to pay the tuition now and learn the lesson, you know, and that might mean some extra effort on your part, some discipline, as you said, Steve, saying no to some things for a while. Uh, but no, there's a light at the end of that tunnel, and you'll be better for it having earned your way out of that um, that deficit. Very good. Well, listen, if you just joined us, you just caught the very end of our full hour uh, with Brian Cochran with John Moore Associates, our Friday financial update. Brian, uh, about once a month, uh, uh, does a full hour with us. Uh, but typically, every Friday, you can tune in and get your Friday financial update, our final segment of ABQ Connect. And uh, the Insights tab at johnmoore.com will have uh, information about the topic we covered today on debt. Uh, Brian, any, any uh, closing thoughts before we finish it up? No, I just... Uh... Honestly, my prayer is that if listeners today are struggling with debt, that they'll, again, start with prayer themselves, ask God for the strength to get through this, and believe that you can do it. Um, Don't be discouraged. You know, there's a God who loves you, and he wants you to have financial freedom so that you can live a generous life, Um, but you've got to meet him halfway. I think he has the provision if you take the first steps. Very good. Brian, thanks again for coming in, and uh, we'll do our update uh, next Friday. Sounds great. All right. Have a great weekend, and thanks again for joining us on ABQ Connect. ABQ Connect is a production of KLYT. The views expressed on ABQ Connect do not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of KLYT. KLYT.